0: Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to come and worship you, the one who is holy, holy, holy. Lord, I can echo the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, Lord, that I am a man of unclean lips. Lord, in the fact that our hearts are far from you and the splendor of your holiness, and yet you have drawn us near to yourself. For that is why we gather this day and every lord's day we gather because you have purchased us from the grips of sin and death by the blood of your beloved son jesus father thank you thank you for this preciousness thank you for this wonderful gift that we have in jesus father lord we also recognize that we are not the only church that is gathered this morning or this day to worship you. But we want to pray for our sister church in Carlisle First Baptist Church and their pastor Scott Brown. Father Lord, we thank you uh, that this local church exists to, to make much of Jesus. Father Lord, we pray that this morning that they will do so. That they will make much of your beloved son. Building up the saints of that local church so that they may further worship you, and go and be about your business in advancing your kingdom here on earth. God, we pray uh, that our sister church will stand firm and hold fast to this truth. Father, Lord, in, in the same way we pray that we hold fast to that we would not waver from the truths of scripture, that we would not waver from the truths that you have revealed to us, and that the church has held for over 2,000 years. Father, Lord, help us to be faithful and to hold fast. Father, Lord, we also want to pray for our mission areas around the world and, and the work we do in reaching the nations. So this morning, Father, Lord, we want to pray for a family there serving in Mozambique, Lord, who has had to go on medical leave for, because of their six-year-old daughter, had Father uh, Lord, we pray, uh, while we do not know their name, we pray, oh God, that you would be with this family, that you would strengthen them and sustain them. Help them to know that you are near in the midst of uncertainty, that they may hold fast to you. God, we also want to pray for the people that they were working among, the Yahweh, the Yahweh people there in Mozambique. Father Lord, we pray for these brothers and sisters that this mission's family has left. Lord, we pray that they are growing in maturity each and every day, that they are being faithful to open up the word, even if they were not quite ready to be turned out on their own. Lord, in your providence, you are having them stand. So, Father, Lord, we pray that you keep them standing. We pray that you continue to help them to be faithful to the gospel and continue to declare it so that others may come to know it and you may strengthen those that are already God, we also want to pray for uh, advocacy centers that are, are working uh, with women who are uncertain whether to carry a child. Father, Lord, we want to pray for these making advocacy for these unborn children. God, we pray that you will help uh, use counselors, Lord, to turn them to you and point them to the value of human life. Lord, even in a couple weeks, we'll be celebrating sanctity of life. Sunday, God, we, we just want to pray and advocate for the lives of the unborn. Father, Lord, we pray that we would wake up and see that every life is valuable. Lord, from being conceived in the womb until the tomb, God, you have created us in your image and help us to be about glorifying you by valuing those made in your image. So help us to love one another lord Lord, and we pray specifically for these unborn children, may each of them come to fullness of term and come into life. Lord, help us to be vocal in being advocates for life, Lord, in coming alongside those that are scared and uncertain, Lord, of, of what life we have, and help us to come along. Which is come distracted this morning, and be faithful in declaring your word. And Lord, I pray that your word would go out, that it would penetrate our hearts and draw us near to you. Give us ears to hear this morning. Give us eyes to see from your word. Will you do that work, Father, so that you may not be glorified and exalted on high? Lord, we thank you in Christ's name I pray on behalf of us as a church. Amen. Growing up in East Tennessee was a joy. I got to step out my back door and take hikes up in the mountain to look down in the gorge and see that beautiful Tennessee river running through the mountains. It was a sight to see. On Sundays, between church services, as a 20-year-old, I would often go up behind our church with a mountain trail and walk and, and just take a, a small backpack, either a couple books, my Bible, and just spend the afternoon dwelling in God's creation and the beauty of it. Taking it all in, having time of silence and solitude as I sink into me that God created all. That's kind of what I want us to think about this morning. Not just God's creation, but the fact that God has declared He has spoken through His creation, but also through His word to us. God has made Himself known and revealed His glory in His creation and His word. And that's where I want to take us this morning as we open up Psalm 19. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, Open up with our physical copy or digital copy there in Psalm 19. Hear the word of the Lord. To the master, the psalm of David. Just a little side note, even before I finish reading. If you're reading the psalms, read these little inscriptions. Those are in the original language. Those are meant for our purpose to take in the audience and what is being addressed here. And often the author. The author. The other hands in the Bible don't matter, but these inscriptions in the Psalms were there in the beginning. They're important to read in. That's even why I read it here. So, back into Psalm 19. To the choir of Psalm of that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor other As we look through this song, and if I'm doing this whole preaching thing correctly, and giving you the main point of the text, which then should be this the main point of this sermon, it is this: God's glory is seen in his creation and his word. This truth should cause us to humble our hearts before him. That's simple and yet profound. God's glory is seen both in his creation and his word this truth should cause us to humble our hearts before him we're going to look at this in in three points that flow just from that the glory of the lord in his creation is point number one point number two the glory of the lord in his word and number three a humble response to the glory of the lord Again, I've said it before, just kind of little handlebars to help you hold on if you lose track during the sermon. That way you can kind of know where we're at. If you have a sight on that can help bring you back in. This is where we're at. So, the heavens declare the glory of God above, and the sky proclaims His hand. Just as, as the introduction, in, in me looking down at the mountains there in East Tennessee, creation is talking to It speaks, it tells us of who our body is and what he's done. It tells us that he is the one who made the heavens and the earth. It tells us that we were made in his image. Even as you look at at people were knit together in such ways that could not be by chance in some big bang theory. We were created and designed I love this uh, little children's book we love to read, Best a grace. It's Don't Forget to Remember by Ellie Holden. It starts like this. It says, did you know that creation is talking to you? Wherever you go and whatever you do, the earth will keep giving you clue after clue so you won't forget to remember what's true. This little children's book is so profound as it lays Psalm nineteen one out. Because it tells us creation is talking to us. It's speaking not only to you and I sitting here today, it's speaking to the world. It's telling us God created this. It's his handiwork. It's his masterpiece. I mean, think about some of the most famous paintings. How would you like for them to be credited to other painters? That's what we do when we miss this point, that creation is pointing to the handiwork. Pointing us to God, so that we may marvel in His glory and worship Him. So. Each new night is speaking to us. As the sun rises, it says that a new day has gone. God's mercies and grace is new to each morning. As each night says, it points us to the fact that there was day and night on the first day. That God designed it so. And yet even as the stars run into the sky to light up the darkness of night, He gives a painting of who God is and the majesty of Of all that he has created. It's to point us to the one who created us, the one who made us. Therefore, he who created us, and this will be point as we shift to point two, he who created us has a right to tell us what to do and what we should be. He is our creator. We are the the He's the potter, we are the vessels. He has made us and shaped us for His purpose and for His glory. This is why this matters. Creation here in verses 2 and following is it, personified. It, it's saying that creation speaks in, in verbal ways. The way I'm speaking now, it's personified. It's, creation isn't literally saying, Wake up, Central City, wake up. No, I'm doing that. The creation is speaking to us. It's showing us this artwork. It reveals God's glory to us each and every day. And that's what I just want to be over here. So how just does creation speak to us? Well, it pours out God's speech day to day. Night to night reveals knowledge. Creation reveals the knowledge of God. It reveals, even as in our scripture reading from Acts 17, the unknown God was made known in creation. There was something in creation that revealed who God was. Verse 3, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Continuing there in verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Pausing there for a minute, notice how far creation speaks. It speaks to the ends of the world. That means a corner is not left untouched. There's not a point in the globe that creation does not speak to God's voice. That means here. That means in the furthest corner in East Asia, in Japan, in Argentina, in Chile, Brazil, Mozambique, Uganda. Creation is speaking God's truth. It's speaking that there is a God who created it all. This is how far creation is speaking. This is revealing who God is all people this would be known as god's general revelation in other words it is saying that this reveals who god is in the sense of us seeing him through creation to all people he is made known in this way generally to all therefore it leaves all without excuse for knowing our god because god's any work is made known in his creation That means those who are lost in places like Mozambique, like Japan, like China, like Iraq and Iran, their knowledge of God often is only enough to damn them to hell. Because God has left them without an excuse in knowing Him. He has left each of us without an excuse of knowing Him. But it doesn't stop there, it says, there, at the end of verse 4, In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber. And like a strong man, runs its force with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now, Even the waves where they crash are part of God's handwork. He keeps the waves from coming more in. Even if, as the screen, even referencing back to do Its rising is from the end of heavens and its circuit to the end of it. And there is nothing hidden from its feet. In other words, nothing will be left untouched when they reject God. No one will be left untouched when they reject God. Because God has made himself known to all people. In Romans one18 through 23, we read, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, the danger of rejecting God and his glory in creation is that. We reject God's truth. We suppress it. So those of us who are are Christians that believe this truth are living this truth, and even how we think about the world is in light of this truth. And yet, there are so many that reject God and who He reveals Himself in creation. Their knowledge of God, as I have already said, is only enough to them. This is the reality of so many around the world who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. They are damned to hell because of their sin, of their transgression, of rejecting the Creator, our Creator, and they will spend eternity separated from God. They exchange God's glory in ways of worshipping that of creation instead of the Creator. This would be whether a wind and sun or animal or whatever. But others would exchange the glory of God and how he's revealed himself in creation by making the God in their own image. Making idols. Whether this is that of the Hindus, which have some 330 million different gods, in each would have an inscription of a date of birth and a date of death. They have made these their gods and worshiped them. That's how they have changed God's glory. Others would take and and say that there's other gods that it's Allah or or Buddha or you name it. And still others would want to take and reshape God into our own likeness. And brothers and sisters, this is one of the dangerous spots. As we see God revealed in creation, the danger is for us to think we need a God like us, instead of us being shaped into the God who created us. We take and, and twist God and say, God should be all loving and never judge. Or, God should be concerned about my happiness, and that's what drives it. In fact... Uh, about 10 years ago, I found myself in a conversation with somebody who was saying, God told me to get divorced. I, I look at the person and be like, no, God did not tell you to get divorced. This goes against God's word. The person's response was, but, but he wants my happiness. I, I know I'm a Christian. He wants my happiness. And, and therefore, I feel God is leading me in this. You see the danger here. And this is where most of us are susceptible if we're not careful. We want to reshape God in how he's revealed himself to make him in our likeness. When he's the creator, when it's his handiwork in the heavens above, in the sky above. We want to shape the God to be in our image and our likeness. When he has made us in his image, in his So therefore, we must be careful because we can be led astray in exchanging the glory of God by creating a God in our urge instead of us wanting to his. Brothers and sisters, let us beware of the dangers that can creep into our own hearts. It's not just those lost in Mozambique. It's not just those lost in Iraq and Iran. The danger is for us sitting in a queue all over churches in the world to exchange God's glory if we're not careful and stray from who he's revealed himself. The faithful of God is not just revealing himself in his creation, he's revealed himself in his word. That's where we turn here in our second point. There in verse 7 it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Just as God has revealed himself in his glory in his creation, he's revealed his glory in his as charles spurgeon puts it like the heavens the scriptures declare the glory of god and like the sky above, they show his handiwork so while the sky shows god's handiwork in creation the word of god shows the same handiwork in redemption in that new creation by him who says look i am making everything god speaks the story The word of the Lord, the law of the Lord, shows God's kingdom in redeeming a people such as us to himself. Look how he does this. It says there, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. First notice here how he describes that the law is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure, so the word is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right, so the, the law is right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true. So, how is the law of the Lord perfect? It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean and endures forever. That is the word the Lord has spoken. Imagine if one of us was to go and make a statement. How true is that statement? Or a week or a year. We, as much as we try to tell the truth, we are not the sovereign ones whose word is unchanging. Even if looking back at our own lives, think of how many times our opinions have changed through the course of our life on something. We could start out and be like dogmatic, never, never, never again, and it's like, eh, some maturity. No, actually, there's a little bit more here on here i didn't think through all i need to be a little more gentle in how i approach certain things i'm talking about my own life or about yours and yet here the law of the lord is pure and perfect it's unchanging and it does not fade. it's there forever that's how god has revealed himself so so this bible that we're reading yes it And yet, it speaks to us the same today. The Bible wasn't just meant for those around the time of David as this psalm have been written. It is meant to speak to each and every one of us here. It's meant to reveal God to us and point us in His place so that we may marvel in His glory and that we may worship Him. For that's why David has written this psalm. Is this truth. But notice how then this word works in us. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. This word is to do a work in us. When you have thought about the law of the Lord or God's word, when is the last time this calls your heart to rejoice? Because of the truth is declared to you of your body and of your salvation. This calls our hearts to want to jump with praise and joy. We have a Savior who's come, laid down his life, his arms were stretched, he was pierced for our transgressions. Brothers and sisters, if this doesn't cause our hearts to rejoice, I don't know what will. It should point us more to Him, more to be in awe of Him, and to worship Him. This is the glory of the Lord revealed to us. There in verse 10, it even goes on to say, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. More to be desired than fine How many of us are willing to spend time working and striving after worldly success? And how little often are we to spend time opening up God's Word and desiring it and treasuring it? Do we value God's Word more than we do bold? I know most of us will never see actual bold. In, in our bank accounts, but that $20 bill, that $10 bill for that matter. We, we desire things with it. We, we see the value of opening this, desire this. Even the, the language is sweeter than honey, to taste it. Now, I love ice cream. You can ask Darcy how much I love ice cream after the service. But that ice cream's not going to satisfy me. Fill my soul, nourish my soul, and this word is. This word is key. Not only desirable, but taste it, to take and to eat the word. John Piper talks about whether you have the choice to sit and eat breakfast, or to sit and eat the word, choose to eat the word more than that breakfast. Why? Because your soul is going to be nourished more. By that word. And that breakfast will do you in two or three hours. Or it doesn't do much. But this word will. Yeah. Savor the word. Ezekiel 3 even puts it this way. In Ezekiel 3, one 3 says. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat the scroll. And speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly for this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So may we taste and eat of God's word day in and day out. May we desire it and savor it. The word of the Lord is wonderful, and it speaks and tells us. God has made himself known through his special revelation, through his word. He's made known to us specifically who he is and why he's not. Therefore, let us taste and live. <coughs> that brings us to our final point this morning. A humble heart and why the Lord So there in 12 through 14 it says, Who can discern his errors? from presumptuous sins the lord the law of the lord exposes our hearts It shows who we truly are it's never by the law of the lord that we can live we were never intended to david who was long before christ the one who was waiting for the the son who would sit on his throne forever and ever is saying he back servant also from presumptuous sins and realized his gift. Christian, don't let us fall into the track and think we're guilt-free, or we're stop free if you want to use that language. We are not. David recognized it. Let us, or maybe if you're here or watching online and you don't know Christ see the fact of sin and it cause you to cry out to God. Or if you're a Christian here and you're struggling with sin, those presumptuous sins that creep up and you do them even though you know they're wrong, cry out to God. That's the invitation here for the Christian heart. The invitation for the unrepentant heart is to come to Jesus in the first place. He is washed in the blood of the Lamb we are washed free from our sin. In the blood of Jesus, we are washed of sin. Come to Jesus. Whether for the first time or coming again to Him, we need to come to Jesus. We need to pray like David. Keep back us from presumptuous sins. Let them not have to me. Brothers and sisters, when we gather to pray, whether it's in a small group or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday, when it's prayer time, pray, pray these types of prayers. This is the spiritual prescription of how prayer time should be. Let us pray and keep one another from fault. Let us never be so complacent that we keep from praying for one another to keep free from sin. One of the ways we become a stagnant church is to think we're, we're free from sins That we we can focus on everything else. We need to see that sin can creep into any one of our hearts at any given time. Brothers and sisters, I'm not worried about bringing in the vast numbers. Yes, I want us to grow. I want us to reach the walls. But it's not enough just to reach and see people place their faith in Jesus. It's to see them complete the race in Jesus. It's not just Getting them to say the prayer and getting baptized and then walking away ten years later. That's what most of my generation have done. We look at numbers and, and where the church was. Why was it that way? It was cultural. So many in our generation are cultural Christians. They pray their prayer and ask Jesus into their heart because it was the cultural thing to do. And yet they know nothing of this God. They do nothing of sin being declared and saying, watch out for, it. keep from, it. endure. We need to be a church that endures. We need to be a people that endure until the end. It's not enough that it's Jesus in our hearts. We need to finish the race. And we do that as we keep our eyes on him, the one who's won the prize for us. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And let us be free from the sensual sins that cause us to fall. And let us pray this over-first tea. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We gather each Sunday because we know the who's. We don't invite people here because we have it all together. We invite people here because we are people for, for a hospital. Work in us. We are asking, we are pleading. It must be of you through the power of your word and the power of your spirit. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You stand as we